This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com, season eight, episode five, and I'm joined today by Javon Edmonds, who I gave... Gave you the title last week, right? Of everyone's was it everyone's favorite AlScoop.com reporter. Here to challenge you this week now is Caden Steele. Still no Kyle Gauss, Sam Cohn, again, may be coming in and out of the, the scoop world again. Dante has Sam it, dropped out of the job. He, he dropped out of the rankings. <laughs> Sam dropped out of the rankings. He he belongs to Penn State now. He belongs to Penn State. I don't think he belongs to Penn State. I don't think he would love that, but he's going to be covering Penn State for the Inquirer. But I think he'll still, he'll he'll still, you know, be chiming in every once in a while on on the scoop. At least he says he wants to. But anyway, Javon Edmonds, Caden Steele with me this week. What's on? What's going on, guys? How are you? It's going well. Yeah. Been a rough first week in the sense of more work than I'm used to for the first week, but maybe it's that like pressure of like being a senior where I'm like it seems more than it actually is. But other than that, just trying to you know give get a feel. I just, um, real quick, I wanted to mention that like Dante did get a job uh with the 33rd team, which is a really cool website. We got a former like a lot of former NFL people working on that site. So I wanted to give props to, to Dante there and and uh Javon and Caden will have some will have some some good personal news that they'll maybe be be able to break next week. It's called the called the teaser, guys. We'll leave, leave that up to you for, for for next week, hopefully. But uh Caden currently overwhelmed by college. Caden, these are the these are the best years of your life. Just embrace it, buddy. Drink some coffee, which is something that Javon would tell you not to do. Javon, are you still anti-coffee, Javon? Yeah. I don't think anyone under the age of 30 needs coffee. I just don't. If you don't have enough natural energy supply, you, you got to go talk to somebody. How old are you? I'll be 21 in a month and some change. Give you, give yourself like like four or five months on on that take, and then we'll uh, we'll see we'll see where you are with that. Okay, so four see or five still, months. I'll hold see you. See if time. you're still see if you're still coffee shaming everybody. Uh, I, listen, it's not shaming. It's just like. I, I call it. I consider it my harsh reality. You know, Eden, doesn't he sound like he's maybe because I'm just like an energetic shaming, right? Hey, that sounds like shaming to me. Doesn't it sound like shaming to you? A little bit of shaming, Javon. Are you overall anti-caffeine or is it just anti-coffee? No, like I'm not anti. Like I get it. Every now and then, somebody needs to pick me up. My thing is, if you need coffee 9 a.m. every morning, and you're 22 years old, like. It, 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 you you got something going on where like I actually want you to go talk to somebody about it because you you shouldn't be that deficient of energy that you're relying on coffee. What about every the schedule morning. though? You know, got a lot of work. Not maybe not every morning, but you know your schedule is different. You know as much as anyone. You I know, hear you, but I still make sure I get my eight hours of sleep. You still get I wake eight hours up every night. I, I get my eight hours. I um, wake up to a hot shower. <laughs> Go through my routine, put some good music on. Like that gets my day started. I've got my own routine that it works for me. What's your morning music routine? Before we get into this, this temple football team and the and the task at hand, I need to what is what is your morning music routine, which we can also discuss more in depth on Friday because we've got 
nothing but seven and eight hours of open road ahead of us. My iPod, your music. Well, I think it's going to be a great car ride. But tell us about what's what do you listen to in the music in the morning in terms of music? I just hit shuffle. Like I, I, it might go from Smokey Robinson to Luther Vandross to Chris Love Brown it. to like the Biggie and Pac to to the baby and j cole like it can it can vary it can very much vary but my best days come from anything from like 66 to 92 tremendous Caden, give me like it's gonna sound a little dark it's your last day on earth Dang. you wake up you wake up in the morning and somebody says Caden, you can listen to three songs this morning what, the, what would they be that's that is so tough because i feel like I don't know. For me, I don't have like a personal like favorite three songs. I think I like just so many different songs from different eras. I think it would be easier to pick like three like artists or people instead of like actual songs. But if I so I'll kind of change it. I guess like artists to listen to. I love the Beatles. So obviously, that'd be yeah. like one of them that I would have to go an with. An obscure band out of Liverpool that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> I love love the I love the Beatles. I I love the Beatles. Javon's gonna tell us that the Beatles are overrated, right? No, I'm not. I'm Michael just, Jackson I'm, loves Paul McCartney, so I'm just, I'll, I'll oblige. Super, 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 super quick story, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Caden. Todd Zalecki of MLB.com and I once did um, karaoke at McGillan's, did The Girl Is Mine. So sang Michael Jackson's part. I sang Paul McCartney's part. We're done. And the guy who's running karaoke turns to us, and like some people are kind of clapping. And he looks at us and he's like, I'm not going to lie to you, you guys sound that you guys uh, sang that like angels, but uh, you got a younger crowd here. And I, I still have the mic. I'm like, guys, Thriller, Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, everybody's like, they didn't know the girl is my, not, no, not too many people. Either we were, either we were total crap on karaoke, which eh, maybe I thought we sang our, our hearts out, but I think a lot of people did not know the song. What? Wow. No, no. See, this is what I'm talking about with my generation. We stink. Like that is a that's a top five duet of all time. Like, oh, uh, that, no, I feel bad. John, if I were there, I would have standed up and give you like one of the best standing ovations you've ever received. It probably would have been like three at the time. But I, I'd like to think that a three year old Javon Edmonds probably would have had the wherewithal and the intellect to know that song. You probably I would have it for you, John. All right, thank you, buddy. I love you, buddy. Caden, back to you. The Beatles, and give me like two more, two more artists. I think I would go Kendrick, just for like current. I like yeah. Kendrick, and then uh, I'd probably go Biggie as another one. Nice, nice. Biggie, hypnotize. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got so we've got our uh, got a lot to get into in this podcast before we do famous number fives. Caden, I know who you're going to say. Yeah, the obvious. We're gonna go with Donovan McNabb yeah. uh, as one. Not the most well liked guy in Philadelphia for me, which seems odd since he's probably you can make an argument either him or Cunningham as the best quarterbacks in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Some other guys that come to mind besides McNabb, Jason Kidd when he was with the Nets, mm-hmm. that's, and then uh, a guy who actually you know you know played really well against the Phillies was one of my like the players I probably hated the most growing up was David Wright of the Mets. He was just so consistently good against the Phillies. So those are the three, you know, names that popped to mind first. Javon. Uh Kevin Garnett with those rotting, stinking Celtics. Uh <laughs> and and then you know my obvious answer, the 
the 2012 Bowl MVP, the the elite Super Joe Flacco, you know? Delaware's own. Pride of South Jersey, of Audubon, New Jersey. So yeah. shout out to all of our scoop listeners in uh, in South Jersey across Walt Whitman Bridge. It's a damn shame what's going to happen to him week one, though. <laughs> <laughs> what about, Javon, what about an old school baseball player from your hometown? Playing the hot corner for the Orioles. Number five. Did Eddie Murray wear five? No. No, it wasn't Eddie. Wrong, it wasn't Boog Pollard. Hot corner. Wrong corner of the infield. I'm thinking. Hold on. Hold on. It wasn't Boog. Was it Brooks or Frank Robinson? Brooks Robinson. Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Number five. Mr. Pintar himself, George Brett, wore number five. One of the best contact hitters of all time. Yes. Albert Pujols wore five for. Yes, he did. Yeah. One of the famous Yankees. Oh, God. Italian last name. DiMaggio? Yes, Joe DiMaggio, war number five. Let's see. Can I think of anyone else? Oh, well, Kevin Durant with the Olympic team. Former slot receiver at Temple, Jalen Fitzpatrick, war number five. If we want to go, not, he wasn't an obscure Temple player, but. Aiden Blue war five, right? Aiden Blue war number five. Sean Bradley war five. I could be wrong. He did the last year, right? Yeah, he did, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He lo- the yeah. last year he wore five. He did. Look at me skipping over Sean Bradley to give uh, Jalen Fitzpatrick a shout out. So anyway, some good stuff. We've already covered some some music, some pop culture, some famous number fives. We got a we got a football game this week, guys. Temple Duke season opener is finally here. Temple plays Friday night at seven thirty p.m. down at Wallace Wade Stadium in uh, Durham, North Carolina. If you're watching here in Philadelphia, the game's going to be on the ACC network. Javon and I are, are going to be down there covering the game. We're going to be dissecting the, the depth chart, uh, talking a little bit of basketball recruiting too. Got some updates for you a little bit later in the pod. Uh, got some mailbag questions to get to. Uh, let's talk before we get into uh, the game itself. Again, we you know a lot of people were chiming in on the depth chart. Stan Drayton had his second Monday media availability of the season. And, uh, you know, we got to look at the depth chart. And I think at first, and we, we guys, we talked about this a couple of days ago. I think at first when people looked at the depth chart, they were a little surprised because of the way certain names had shifted around. But then when you settle in on a little bit more, not as much of it was surprising when you factor in some injuries, when you factor in a new coaching staff. But what what did you guys think of it were there any true surprises to you anything that, that caught you off guard again knowing that you, you, you talk to people you source things you, you try to get some information because we don't get to watch practice other than than some basic stretching and drills and stuff but what are some of the most notable depth chart developments to you guys i think ruiz and paul were probably the two biggest ones just to get them out of the way uh, I think one that Caden and I noticed on on Monday, Devon Fox, he he got replaced. Mm-hmm. Two guys took his spot as the red zone threats. Uh, I, I thought that was one that was interesting because I know I thought personally that he'd be in that main four rotation with Sanders, Barbone, and Anderson. But Ian Stewart showed that it's going to be, you know, his spot where Fox was last season. So well, I think those – 
for a week though, right? I mean, I think that's kind of like worth noting that, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, what if, what, you know, if Devon Fox sees some snaps on Friday and makes a play or two, you know, this depth chart could change. And I think that's one of the things that's, that's worth noting is like a lot of these guys could shift around and, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a name that a couple names that, that jump out when you look at the, the first week or heading into the, into the first week. And then Cam Ruiz, of course, you know, uh, coming off of what Stan deemed a major leg injury that forced him to, to miss all of, uh, all of spring ball. Uh, Stan did say, and told me on Monday that he's, he's going to be ready to play. Um, didn't really ask him about like Keyshawn Paul. He didn't mention a whole lot about Keyshawn. It's obvious that they're very excited about Jalen McMurray and all the, all the single digit guys uh, they hold in high regard so far. But again, yeah, I mean, if Keyshawn Paul gets in, sees some snaps and he picks off Riley Leonard and takes one to the house, I'm sure they'll feel pretty good about him. Right. Yeah. Kane, what about you? Any other like surprises or just no, like things that stood out to you in the depth chart? Yeah, I think when you look at the depth chart, I uh, see Jermaine Donaldson starting at right guard and James uh, Famino or Firmino. James Famino, yeah. Famino starting at um, guard. And I thought that was, you know, a little interesting. I think in the back of my mind, I expected Bryce Toman maybe to earn that starting spot because he's been here for a few years. Don't know much about Donaldson. He's kind of been a deep reserve. And then, you know, James uh, Firmino coming in, you know, as a transfer, I didn't really expect those to be the interior offensive linemen. I don't think they have – you know, a ton of depth or experience at that position, but I thought Toman would get that start, and he didn't. Richard Rodriguez was listed as the backup center, but I think he's been able to play some guard before. So I was a little surprised on the interior offensive line when I first looked at it. Yeah, I think that's a big area. And, you know, I, I do a, a, a podcast with Adam DeMichael, who played at Temple and was a former assistant coach just a couple of years ago. We do that for the Believe Sports Network. And, you know, Adam said last night, he said, you know, knowing – Chris Weezyhan, the way I do, I mean, this sounds like a, a, an obvious statement, but he said, I don't think he'd put anyone out there who's not ready to play. And so, you know, it'd be a heck of a story if, if a guy like Jermaine Donaldson played at, at Eastern High School from, from South Jersey, you know, Adam said last night, he's put some good weight on. And so we'll see how those guys do. I think that'll be something to follow in the game. If they get the run game going, are they going to be breaking some runs or getting some yardage through the interior of the offensive line there. I think Bryce Tillman is a guy like, you know, had been, had, had been developing, but you know, it's fun. I think the, I think the depth chart is fun fodder and it's fun to debate, but I think it could change certainly depending on how things go Friday night. If they come out of the game for their sake, I hope they come out of the game healthy, but I do think like that interior of the offensive line uh, was certainly interesting as well. Um, what about on the defensive side? Anything else on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, Javon, you talked about Cam Ruiz and Keyshawn Paul. Um, what about Jim Satchel? I was glad to see him getting one of those starting tackle spots. Yep. Uh, he had a very good spring game to me. I thought he was one of the best run stoppers out there. Uh, and I thought he had some quickness and athleticism there for this 3-4. You know, like as a guy who watched the Ravens and Steelers and, and the Patriots his whole life, I'm very familiar with that scheme. He is your athletic three tech lining up over one of the guards. Um, mm -hmm. So to see him get that starting spot and to hear that he's becoming Antoine Smith on the field for them was, a, you know, it, like when you're following a story for a long time and you see it turns out like that, you get a little bit of a bit of, I don't know, excitement or joy out of it. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how he does. I mean, he had a good spring game. We've talked in the past about how some guys there, there's usually maybe one or, or, or two players that have a really good spring game, but never really 
produce in the regular season. So we'll, you know, we'll see how he does. A couple of the Juco players are making immediate impacts. At least they must have played well enough in preseason camp uh, to be where they are on the depth chart. Trey Thomas is getting a start outside linebacker, and Stan Drayton had been talking about him a lot. So that's not much of a surprise. And he could be one of those guys. Again, we've, we've talked about this before in a 3-4, at least in a base 3-4, not all the pass rush is going to have to be generated from those three down linemen. We've talked a lot about DJ Elliott's scheme, the simulated pressure is trying to keep offenses guessing, and you're not going to know where the pressure is coming from. Uh, Elijah Daraville starting at one of the safety spots after coming in from Garden City Community College. And so, again, this is the stuff that we keep an eye on in the, in the press box when they come out. And depending on where they are, down in distance and, and situation, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how they're going to come out. We are currently speak of the devil. We are getting zoom bombed by Sam Cohn who wants to, wants to, he's entered the waiting room. Do we let him into the podcast guys? Isn't he at the airport right now? Is that safe? I have questions. Let's so I say him. let him in. Let's ask him. Hmm. Connected to audio. Sam Cohn. Yep. At the airport. He is at the airport. Sam, you've caught us talking about temple football, something that you don't know anything about anymore. According to all of your followers. <laughs> What say do, you? People what, do. What say people you, do. Sam Cohn? What what value do you bring to the scoop anymore? You know, I love you. It's, this is kind of an Literally act. Nothing. But, but. <laughs> people people on Twitter do not appreciate the fact that I don't uh, I don't consistently post about Temple anymore. And what are you doing at the airport, Sam? Uh, I am in a layover to go to flying to Indianapolis to then uh, go to Purdue for Penn State Purdue Thursday night. By the time you're listening to this. Uh, it will be Thursday, I assume. And this is a good preview pod for the for their Penn State's opening day. The fighting Drew Breeses. <laughs> Sam, we were talking about, like, let me, maybe you can lend your perspective to this. We were talking Please. about, because I know you can pretend like you don't care about your alma mater and you don't care about Temple sports, but I know you do. You, I mean, he was on campus last week. Yeah, you follow you follow our content. If you don't, I'll it's pretty much the only thing friend. I do. I mean, were you at all surprised by by any of the depth chart developments or did you kind of take it and say, all right, this is a, this is a new coach, new staff, new guys getting opportunities as you I was, look up the depth chart on your phone? No, I just want to pull it up because I remember well, I did look at it and uh, I remember I had actually had a brief conversation with Kyle about something else. And then I had mentioned to him, isn't it crazy that there were so many like whatever surprises, I guess, for lack of a better word, in the depth chart. And um I think he made a good point that he's probably made to you guys before, or I'm surprised not making on the pod today is that like, yeah, but two things, one that I guess straighten and mentioned that DMR is hurt. Yeah. So that's just the way that he does a, uh, a depth chart could potentially be just like, they're not sure he's going to play. So they put him third, but that he could be higher if he was healthy. And then the other thing is that you can only cut the, like, so to an extent, a lot of it makes sense because this team was a three win team last year. Uh, so maybe that makes sense. It does make sense. It makes a lot. I thought, of I, thought I thought that was a strong point, but to your question, I will say, I to me, there were surprises in the depth chart. Um, DMR being one of them. I thought the camera Reese Keyshawn Paul was probably the biggest surprise on the, on the depth chart to me. Yeah, we talked to, talked about that when you were maybe eating some airport food. Who knows? Probably who knows tacos. Is that what you were eating? Some tacos. Yeah. Where is your current layover? Do you want to share your current location, or would you rather not? I don't mind. I'm in, uh, by the time I share, by the time people hear, they're not going to know. Yeah, I'm you're not going to be gone. Here. Like in a cloud uh, I'm in Chicago. I'm in Chicago right now. Midway or O'Hare? Uh, O'Hare. Mm. See, I got the good stuff out of you. 
how long is, is how long um until your flight comes uh from right now i'm boarding in like half an hour but it's like a little hour hour and a half layover oh i was gonna say if it was a long one you should like just take a trip to harold's chicken you're lucky to have a normal layover in Chicago, which is normally affected by weather coming off of Lake Michigan. Anytime I've had a, a layover in Chicago, bad things happen. Really? Well, just, I got stranded there once coming back from the NCAA tournament when Temple <laughs> beat Penn State and then lost to San Diego State. A young Kyle Gauss, who was still working at the Temple News at the time, laid over, I think, in Atlanta and was fine. Uh, I was en route to midway kept hovering 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 we had to refuel in indianapolis and i had to spend the night and get into philly the next morning so that was fun but nobody yeah, cares. That is fun. nobody cares it, there's not there's not everyone has one but there's nothing more frustrating than a, than a bad layover story yeah yeah so you, uh, are you guys all going to duke who's going to duke john and i already talked about this javon and i javon and i are going caden we'll we'll we'll, we'll mix him into some stuff in the future um Caden is we were talking before let me let me circle back on this we were talking about the intro the outset of the pod I don't know how do we get how do we get started on this we're talking about like morning oh Javon was coffee shaming us again he says it's not coffee shaming but he was coffee shaming us his whole bit about like if you're drinking coffee before the age of 30 there's something wrong with you you need to go get yourself it's checked a bad takes it's it's a harsh take it's again i i think it's i think it's shaming i love Javon. every morning i mean come on every morning you need it yeah well sam so then he said i have my morning music he give me three songs i'll, I'll, I'll give i'll paint the same dark picture for you that i painted for kate and i said it's your last day on earth <laughs> You, you, you get three songs to listen to in the morning before you start your day and inevitably meet your untimely demise what three songs would you listen to? I get three songs before I die is the question. You don't die right after hearing the songs, but later in the day, something happens to you. Because there's a different answer for like three songs that I'm listening to right now or three songs that I'm going to hear shortly before my eventual demise. Yeah, it's your last day on earth. It's like saying this is- Yeah, I don't, I don't have that. <laughs> this is too- this is too on the spot. I don't, I don't have that You seem a little too shaken up. <laughs> They're not going to say to you, Sam, We'll push back. We'll push back your death three days. Give you. You take all the time you need to, to give us these three songs. No, they're going to say, Sam, it's coming today. Sam, right now, pick three songs. You can't uh, no, one I, for us. No. Uh, yesterday by the Beatles. Oh, second um, Beatles reference. Caden. Caden gave artists. He said, "What would you say, Kendrick, the the Beatles, and Biggie?" Right. Yeah. That's oh, we're picking, are we picking artists? You whatever you want to do, Sam. All right. Because I, if it's your last three, it's like you have to have some kind of eclectic taste, mm-hmm. uh, sort of be all over the place. So I'll go, uh, J Cole, The Beatles, and Cook. And who? Sam Cook. Ooh, I like it. That's good. That's good. You were gonna say Nickelback though, right? But you just don't want to say <laughs> yeah. Nickelback. Absolutely not. Creed. <laughs> You're a big Creed fan. Everyone knows you're a big Creed fan, right? I, I have to love the Red Hot Chili Peppers because the lead singer is in Back to the Future, but that's about it. Anthony Kiedis was in Back to the Future. Or one of the guys in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Probably the drummer, actually. I, which I didn't know until recently. Chad Smith was in? Whoever plays Needles is in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is in the, what, Back to the Future 2 or 3? Ooh, he's definitely in two. I don't remember if he's in one. You know I'm spotty on you know I'm spotty on, on, on two and three. But I know. 
Well, okay. well, well, what's the problem with two? Three, I can understand, but two is arguably as good as one. Ooh. Really? For me personally. I don't know. I'm not saying they're bad movies. I, I just, Sam is more experienced with, you guys are more well-versed on two. I don't think I've ever seen three. Um, oh, oh. Whoever uh, Flea is, guy named Flea. It's Anthony, the, the, the Flea is their bassist. Michael Balzari. Balzari. So he, wait, Flea is Flea. Founding member and bassist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Flea is, so he must have been in two or three. I don't, I don't remember Flea. He was definitely, he was definitely in two. Okay, there we go. Little nugget for people that they didn't know before. Yeah. Nonetheless, Temple. Yes, Temple, and and nobody is nobody is dying that that we know of, and hopefully we can all have several years of of great music ahead of us. Um, yeah, the, the depth chart again, and it will change. Uh, Kyle had tweeted this out a couple of days ago. If you break down Temple's depth chart, uh, there he called these the, his two deep t- uh, stats by class. Um, you know. Just 14%, of the depth chart of the two deep was made up of freshmen, 54.8% made up by sophomores, 21.4% of the depth chart comprised of juniors, and just 9.5% of the depth chart comprised of seniors. So, you know, Stan talked about, hey, like, you know, the best guys are going to play, you know, and we also want our recruits to know that if you come in here and you come to play at Temple, you are going to have a chance to play. So, um, you know, again, I, I know I've said it a couple of times already. I think the depth chart is going to change, you know, based on injuries, based on performance and stuff like that. Um, Temp- Kyle had tweeted also in this tweet, he said, if the depth chart stayed the same, spoiler, it won't. Temple would return every defensive starter uh, next season. Uh, Sam, before you hopped on, we talked about how, as of now, heading into the game, how young they are up the middle of the offensive line with Wisdom Quarshi at center. James Famineau, the Houston transfer, starting at left guard, and then Jermaine Donaldson starting at, at, at right guard. Uh, Donicus is the number one receiver. Yeah, which again isn't isn't a surprise. And again, I mean, I, just taking an objective look at this. Yeah, I mean, you have Ahmad Anderson, you have Jose Barbone, but you know, uh, Stan's been raving about Adonica Sanders. He had a, a, a decent yeah. year at, at Georgia Tech. He's played well against Duke that, in, in the past. That'll be a storyline uh, heading into into this game. Uh, if we're looking at getting a closer look at the at this Duke team, um, they're three and nine overall last season, winless in the American uh, the American Athletic Conference, the, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference. So. It's an interesting opener in this, in the sense that again, both first-year coaches who are are taking over programs that are rebuilding. They're not taking over programs that were left in great hands because, you know, they they went on to 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 different jobs or better jobs. Uh, Duke named Riley Leonard their starting quarterback. Jordan Moore had been competing with him for that spot, but uh, Connor O'Neill, who's the publisher at Devils Illustrated, our rivals rivals counterpart down there. He had reported that the staff had moved more to a multi-dimensional role in offense about halfway through camp. So it was really kind of, you know, kind of just, you know, competing against himself in those last couple of weeks. Sam is piecing out. Are you getting on your next plane, Sam? Uh, I'm going to try to get some work done in the next 20 minutes, then go board my flight. But so I just want to see your faces. You hate us now. You loved us initially. Now you hate us. Yep. He came, got what he needed and left. Exactly. I jumped wow. very eloquently. Oh my God. No, it's, it's always good to, always good to see your face. Like I, I did oh. say at the beginning of the podcast that Sam is going to be joining us occasionally and you 
your ears must have been must have been burning. You must have well, said when you sent when you sent the link and said if anybody else wants to zoom bomb us, I felt like I, I felt inclined. I felt like I had to. If I'm around, yeah. I have to. I have oh. to. I have to show face. Well, inside right. baseball and how the alscoop.com communications work there. <laughs> exactly. All right, buddy. Have a safe flight. Thank you. I'll see you guys. All right. Um, so again, Riley Leonard is a you know, 6'4", 212, played, I don't want to say sparingly last season, but sort of seven games, started one of them, you know, completed 37 of his 62 throws for 381 yards, one touchdown through a pick. Uh, can run it a little bit too. He had 47 carries for 173 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Kevin Johns is their offensive coordinator, and, and he's a guy that was Memphis's offensive coordinator. Uh, so we can reasonably assume, I guess, that, that Memphis is going to run a lot of no huddle, uh, up-tempo stuff. That's going to be, you know, they're not unique in that sense. A lot of college offenses run up, up-tempo stuff, but do we think that a young Temple defense learning a new scheme, uh, it's an aggressive scheme and a fun scheme, the way they've described it. Does does a young Temple defense, are they are they ready for for tempo stuff when they can't can't sub in? I think so. They've seen that defense for the not that defense. They've seen that offense for the past three years, and they're two and one against it. I I really I wouldn't provide them that excuse this game. If they were starting off against Rutgers, I'd give them that. But you get a team that is rebuilding, uh, lost to a team that will be in your conference next season, and they have an offensive coordinator that you are 2-1 and one against in the past three years, I, I don't want to hear any excuses for it. And you have a way better defensive coordinator than you had for those three years. Caden, what do you think? I think I'm more on the opposite where I see, you know, Javon's perspective where Duke, you know, coming into this year, they aren't exactly a powerhouse. They weren't exactly great on offense last year. You got a first year full-time starter, but at that same time, you have so many new faces on that Temple defense. And look, I, I get they had an off season to get ready, but this is the first year of Stan And this is the first game for a lot of these players at the FBS level, Trey Thomas, Elijah Duraville, there might be a lot of potential with these players, but there's a lot of unknown. And that when you have with a team running, you know, up tempo and you're not able to get your calls in. And if it gets, you know, a little messy out there, I could see Temple really struggling in this game. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think they're gonna have a lot of you know ups and downs this season. And if it comes week one, I'd not be shocked. Um additionally, looking at that Duke offense, they're also pretty much unproven. At running back, they had a very good back last year. Mateo Durant, who rushed for more than 1,200 yards, he signed as an undrafted rookie free agent with the Steelers. Jordan Moore, who we talked about earlier, who was at one point competing for that starting quarterback job, he was their second leading rusher. And uh, so he's, again, who knows how they'll use him. I mean, they've talked about moving him to receiver. Maybe we could see him on some some jet sweep stuff and, and stuff like that. So Jordan Waters might be their lead back. He ran for 197 yards last season, did average a little more than five yards a carry. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, this is where Mike Elko has his work cut out for him. Now, again, Mike Elko was a, a very, very good uh, defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. And, you know, he was that, that I, based off of sources I've talked to, I think it, in different set of circumstances, that job, could have been his at Temple. He was strongly, strongly considered uh, for the Temple job. And, uh, you know, before it went to Manny Diaz, and then, of course, Manny Diaz pieced out 18 days later, went down to 
down in Miami. Now he's at Penn See State. how that turned out. Yep. So, um, but he's a very good defensive coordinator, very good defensive mind. The question is, you know, again, he's going through the same thing that Stan Drayton is. How much can he implement his scheme? Is he just willing to live with mistakes? Is he plugging a ton of holes? Is he going to play a lot of young guys? We'll see. What we know is that last year, Duke was ranked dead last among 130 FBS teams in total defense. They were allowing 40 points a game, 518 yards per game. So this is a very much a rebuilding defense. They're probably going to run a 4-2-5 base defense under Elko. Uh, one of those linebackers is pretty good. Shock Hayward looks like one of their best players on defense. He made the senior bowl watch list. I've said this on a couple of other podcasts I've been on. The, the, the guys who are on the senior bowl are usually have a pretty good eye for talent uh when they put out their watch list he was a third team all acc linebacker last season uh vincent anthony jr is a guy they're excited about i don't know how much he'll play he was a four-star recruit uh, a local guy rivals had him ranked as the ninth best player in the state coming out of uh jordan high school down in durham so it is again it's the easy thing to say but it's a very intriguing season opener because of the newness of both staffs again these are two teams that are rebuilding let's generate three keys to the to the game here uh javon caden give me one key to the game one key to victory for for temple and then i'll I'll close things out before we um you know play a couple of audio clips here uh from monday's press conference javon one key to the game for temple they're going to come out of this game with a win. And we'll also get into some staff predictions too, and we'll keep track of these for fun, which I've never been terrific with, by the way. I have a key player, not necessarily a key component. Uh, Vaughn already going off script. He First he coffee shames us, and then he's like, John, I'm going to take your three keys to the game and just shove them somewhere else. No, like, like it's still a key to the game. <laughs> I'm just teasing just, him. You know, I'm just teasing um, him. But listen, coffee shame, that sounds so harsh. Like that that sounds like maybe it is. Maybe that's you gotta think about it for a minute. Look, look, shaming is a word very associated with cancel culture these days. I kind of don't need that in my life right now. (laughs) Things are starting to go good. (laughs) So you know, that's that's not put shaming in there. We can call it ridicule, coffee ridicule. Um making making Javon making his friends feel uncomfortable about relying upon coffee. Any way you put it. You've got some stuff to think about. We're just asking for some empathy. That's all, Javon. But go ahead. I hear you. Well, well, (laughs) listen, John, you can drink all the coffee you want. I know how busy your schedule is. Like, I can't. Now he's he's calling me old. No, I'm not. Now, John, come on. I've said you're like the new 30, 15 million times since we've like started working together. (laughs) You have. Um, I love you to pieces. (laughs) But go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, Devon Mathis is my key player to the game. And I know it sounds obvious, but. He's got to prove this game. Just like everybody else, um, it's, it's pretty much been Stan's theme of Monday. Everybody's got a responsibility to keep their spot mm-hmm. on the depth chart. But I watched DeJuan Mathis last season, and before you even factor in the Mikey Rimovich offense, like just fundamentally and technically, DeJuan Mathis had some things that were not very good last season. Shoulders wouldn't stay square. Feet wouldn't line up. You know, going through his reads wasn't the smartest uh, or quickest at that, you know. Uh, if he can be quick and concise with his reads on Friday, I think Temple's in a good position. I think he's the key to them this week. He's got to come out and set a strong message of 
he deserved to be the starting quarterback. And plus, he's got to redeem himself from that god-awful Let's Ride video. I, I wish people would stop doing those videos. Leave that to Russell. <laughs> like, I had friends sending that video to me, and they're like, Vaughn, I get no inspiration from seeing this. <laughs> and I did not blame them. Caden, what's your key to the game for, for these Temple Owls, these fighting Temple Owls heading into Friday's season opener? Kind of going off, you know, Javon's point, I think Dewan Mathis is the key to this team last year. And I kind of give him slack, you know, from last season, although he did struggle at times. And we saw not really consistent player from all year, but he was also playing for an offense that seems stuck in the mud with Mike Ramovich. You know, got a new offense staff coming in with Danny Langsdorf. But I think you got to do whatever it takes to support Dewan Mathis, because in the back of my mind, I still don't see him as a guy that's going to just throw the ball 30 times and air it out for 400 yards against Duke. I think you're going to have to be able to run the ball and you got that mix of running backs and you got some unknown there. Edward Sadie, although he, you know, he's been solid for Temple. He's never really emerged as RB1 while he's been at Temple. You got two new guys in there, Jakari Norwood, who stands right and seems to love. And then you got Darvon Hubbard in that mix as well. Trey Blair, who emerges in that backfield? Because I think, you know, with an inexperienced offensive line, you know, in the interior with Wisdom Corshi and James Famineau and Jermaine Donaldson, I think there's some, you know, there's a chance that Duke's able to get after Dewan a little bit. Yep. I think you'll be able to have to run the ball with those guys. And you got to find out, you know, I, I'm fine with a rotation. I think it works. But you got to find one or two guys that you can rely on. And if they don't, it might be a harder time for this offense to get going, uh, you know, and be able to improve upon last season. My key to the game is going to be something a little less player-specific and position-specific. And I think it's it's more about managing and adapting to sudden change because that, that was such a big building block for the program just turning itself around under the Al Golden era because there were always times during the 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 Ron Dickerson era, the Bobby Wallace era, where they would have a really good team on the ropes and then they would just one thing would happen, the floodgates would open. So what I'm really curious about for them is, you know, what happens if Temple wins the opening when they win the coin toss, they win the toss and they say we're gonna receive and someone like Malik Cooper or somebody says or, or somebody fumbles the opening kickoff and then suddenly Duke starting, you know, first and 10 from Temple 17. How does the defense respond? Or if they fall behind by 10, how do they respond to that? I, I think that's a key to the game, managing sudden change, managing adversity, because no matter how bad Duke was last year and no matter how much of a rebuilding job Mike Elko has ahead of him, I think it's a really big deal if they go down and and win. They're not beating a top tier ACC team, but they're still winning their season opener against an ACC team on the road. So I think managing sudden change is going to be a, a big deal for them. Uh, I asked Sam Drayton about that on Monday, just about, you know, regardless of time and place where you are in your coaching career, whether you're coaching at Texas, whether you're coaching at Ohio State, or whether you're coaching a top 25 team, managing emotions is always a big deal in that season opener when everybody's chomping in the bit to play. And here's what Stan uh, said in, in talking about that. You've been obviously a part of so many season openers, regardless of what program you're with. How much of, how long does it take to kind of help the players manage their emotions in a, in a, in a season opener, whether they're redshirt seniors or true freshmen? How much time does it take to kind of say to the guys, all right, playing with your hair on fire, we love that, but now you've got to be settled and focused. Yeah. That's something you just deal with no matter where you are. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no question about that. And that's a great question, you know, because those are things that you try to practice. You know, you try to create uh, game-like atmospheres in practice. You try to 
push their backs against the wall in practice so that you can see what you're going to get. You know, but then you get the game day, right? And, uh, you know, you always learn something new of your players. So, um, you know, I, I kind of put that on our single digits. I put that on our unit leaders. Uh, I put that on our, coach, our coaches. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to be checking our coaches in the heat of the battle. You know, I still don't know how they're going to react. You know, so there's a learning process that is there. Uh, we learn a little bit in practice, but you know you're always going to get something, you know, different on game day. And uh, we just have to address it. You know, we have to address it, and we got to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. You know, and that's just us, you know, taking care of each other during the course of the game, no matter what happens. Another thing that, that Stan talked about, Javon, you asked him about, you know, the way you phrased the question. You said, you know, regardless, beyond the obvious, you know, which is to get a win. What do you want to get out of Friday? Because it's, you know, again, it sounds cliche and it sounds trite, but he's, this is not going to be an overnight rebuild. Right. And this is something where he's establishing a culture and doing all those things. And um, you would touch on what you, what you would ask him about, and then we'll play that, that clip for everybody. Yeah. Essentially, you know, college doesn't have a preseason. So, you know, week one is really, Week one's week one. It's the first time you're playing against somebody not named yourself. They don't do joint training camps like professional teams do. So I had to ask Stan, besides a win, because every coach is looking for a win, what do you want to see from your team Friday? And uh, he had this to say about it. Grow. I just want us to grow. I want us, I want us to get better every single play. You know, um, I, I know that it's going to take that growth. Uh, for us to get to ultimately what we want to become as a championship team, you know. So, um, you know, I don't want my players to, to to lock into the main distraction, which is the scoreboard. That is the main distraction. We need to lock into us, you know, make sure we're taking care of each other and we're individually doing our jobs for each other on every single play, you know. And to me, that would promote growth. I would love to see uh, at some point, um, you know, our players take ownership of that thought process. To me, that will promote growth. You know, so for me, it's all about the growth. You know, we're going to grow uh, with every play, and, um, you know, we're going to learn from mistakes, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get to a point where those mistakes become less and less, and, and we get ourselves to a championship caliber football team at some point. All right, so let's, uh, before we get to some basketball recruiting news for you guys and then the mailbag, let's get into some some staff predictions. We'll see how how this turns out. Javon, you want to be on the hot seat first? Yeah, we're sure. Not, we're not going point spread here. We're just picking winners outright. What's your prediction for Friday? And well, give us the score. Give us the winner and the score. Oh, okay. Not doing the spread. Take some fun out of it. 14-10 Temple. Low scoring game. Ooh, interesting. I think, uh, oh, and the Lions, temp, uh, Duke minus seven. Yep. Oh, yeah, take the, take, the, take the plus on Temple. Plus seven. Put that on a parlay Friday night. <laughs> And I will not reimburse you if I'm wrong. So don't be it. <laughs> Javon, Temple 14, Duke 10, typing it into existence here. And Javon also encouraging you to get into some, some parlay action. So uh, I do not endorse, encourage, or discourage that. You know, whatever you guys want to do with your money is fine by me. Do not take betting advice from me. But Javon's offering it. Caden, what do you got? Coming into the week, honestly, I was feeling like I was going to roll with Duke, but after, you know, thinking about it over the last, you know, about 48, 48 hours, I think I'm starting to lean towards Temple. I'll go 
24-17 Temple. Uh, I don't think that Duke's defense is going to be approved enough, and I think Adonica Sanders, you know, played in the ACC before. I think he might end up being the difference maker, given Dewan Mathis someone that he finally feels, you know, secure with on the outside. Mm. All right. All right. Well, I, I, I want to counter-argue that. Dewan had Randall and Jaden last season. But that offense was a mess. I mean, but – you still got to be able to get the ball to your playmakers. And that just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. True. So I can't guarantee it'll be different with Adonica Sanders. It's going to give you guys a little, little piece of advice, something you've never heard before. That's why they play the games. You take that one to the bank. It's a John DiCarlo special. No, literally everyone has said that. Um, Kyle, who couldn't make it today, texted me his prediction. He's got Duke winning 27-20. Max Dinenberg, you can you'll read his game day preview Friday morning on the site. Has Temple winning 28-24. I'm going 31-21 Duke. Like a I don't know why I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. It could be it could be a little interesting. I think I don't think Temple's gonna get embarrassed in this game by any means. Again, I think it's gonna I can't get a great handle on it. I just feel like Duke's gonna um maybe be by leading by a touchdown and pull away with a late field goal there. But again, I have been known to be wrong with my prediction. So again, follow our coverage. Uh, we'll be down there Friday night and follow Javon on Twitter. It's at, what, at Javon Evans 45, right? Yep. And then my Twitter handle is at Jay DiCarlo. And we'll be tweeting stuff out and retweeting stuff from the Al Scoop account, which is at Al Scoop underscore Tom, and of course, Caden will be in the mix as well with our football coverage and recruiting coverage throughout the year. Some basketball recruiting updates to pass along. If you've been following our, our recruiting coverage, you know that Temple had offered West Catholic Zion Stanford. He took an official visit to Temple this past weekend. I am. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm supposed to talk to Zion a little after five o'clock today. So as long as that interview does not fall through, we'll uh, have an update on his recruitment. If you're an alscoop.com subscriber, you will be able to read that story. Again, he visited Temple this past weekend, told by a, a couple of sources familiar with his recruitment that the visit went really well. Again, I'm going to be talking to Zion directly later. Um, he's got an official visit with Boston College uh, slated for this weekend. There might be another school in the mix for an official, I'm told. We'll, we'll see. Like I said, I'll be talking to him a little bit later. A um, couple other tidbits to pass along. Temple is going to be getting some upcoming visits from a couple of uh, 2024 players. Ty Bevins is going to be visiting on September 3rd. Um, he's a class of 2024 point guard, or uh, I guess more of a combo guard from, from Gwynn Park High School in Maryland. And then Kafik Myers, the, the, the super quick Five foot ten point guard from Newman Gretti is visiting on September 10th. So, a couple of other visits to keep an eye on there. And before you know it, <clears throat> basketball will be heating up as well. So, let's head to the mailbag. We've got a few few questions here. I'll give one last look at the at the message board. But as of now, we've got a few. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this first one is hilarious. Yeah, I I want to hear what your answer is on this one. The the these are again these are screen names from. The Alscoop.com message boards. TU Owls fan 2004 question there. Are white pants acceptable to wear after Labor Day? Javon, I'm going to go to you on this one first. Well, isn't the rule do you, like. Do you own a, a pair of white pants? No. No. Um, isn't the rule like you can't wear white after Labor Day? That is the general rule of thumb in the. Yeah, the, like the, the, the gold. 
to to like follow up with that, you shouldn't wear white pants. Period. White pants are out of style. Like I thought they were corny when they were in style like a few years ago, but now that they're out of style, they're really corny. So TU Owls fan, two thousand four, love you. Keep listening. If you own a pair of white pants that don't go with a suit, an all white suit, or like just the suit, period, throw them things away, burn them to ashes. Or what if you got invited to a Miami Vice convention on October first? Would you wear a pair of white pants? No, because I can re- I can find something else to wear. <laughs> Caden Steele's been known to rock a pair of white pants. From some what I've been told. I don't know. I'll say rock white pants. I don't think <laughs> See I don't how know. I did that? I completely made that up, but I got you to open up a little bit. Apparently, you do have a pair of white I, pants. I've, I've had like white khaki shorts before, but they don't go well with like anything. I feel like white, you know, pants is not a good fit for most outfits. Not a big fan of it. Like like Javon said, I, I just can't rock it that much. But I've had a few bought before, but usually, you know, before I started buying my own clothes, my mom would buy me some white pants, but like not since I've been able to, you know, have my own money and buy my own clothes. I don't usually go for that. I, I, yeah, I would have to agree. Wearing white pants after Labor Day, I'd say no. Went to Italy back in June of 2019. Europeans dress very well. My wife looked around. She's like, you should wear some loafers with no socks a little bit more. You should wear some white pants. I was like, I can't rock a pair of white pants. I understand that you feel inspired. We're in Italy. Love <laughs> you for that, but I don't. You will not see see me wearing a pair of white pants unless I am somehow destined for a sudden career changes in influencer, which I don't see happening. And uh, I would never live that down. But good question to you, Alice fan 2004. As Devon said, we love you. Keep listening. Second question from the screen name, what, what to you? If you were doing a fantasy football draft where you can draft every position using only the current Temple football roster, who would you take first overall? Interesting question. I hate to say it. It's a rebuilding program. This is a tough, this is a tough one here. Caden, why don't you start us off? First, first overall from the Temple football roster, who would you take? This is tough. My first thought was gonna be Jalen McMurray because of the upside and the coaching staff, you know, seems to love him. Got a single We're drafting individual defensive players. All right. Are, are we actually are we picking one player on the whole roster or is that I don't know. What what to you did not? It says it's a draft where you can draft every position. Oh, we're yeah. drafting every position. He did position. say, yeah, no, he did say, you're right. Duh. I, I, I should be able so to yeah, do that. You can we draft, can draft every position. Defenders. My fault. My fault. Go yeah. ahead. Every position on the roster. I guess corner, I guess it's got to be Jalen McMurray because we don't know what Kim and Ruiz's you know, injury extent is. We don't know how he's going to recover. Seems like Keyshawn Paul isn't exactly fully in the mix for being a starter right now. I mean, could earn that spot back, but that's still a relative unknown. So I'm going to go with Jalen McMurray with the upside. Uh, when I get him comes to safety, I guess I'll roll with uh, Alex Odom just because he's proven. I, I think it's just one pick. I think oh, it's is it just one just pick? The first yeah, just one pick. pick. Yeah. First, oh. Who would you take first overall? Caden was Caden had a big board. I was impressed. <laughs> All right, I guess I can redo it. I guess first overall pick in the entire roster. Actually, I think I'll go with someone sneak. I'll go with Jordan McGee. Why not? I think he's produced the last couple of years. I think he's been a very underrated player, got the single digit. And I think he could be in that next line of, you know, really good tempo linebackers like Chappelle Russell, like Sean Bradley. I expect him to be one of the leaders on the defense. I'll go with someone that's playing in the middle of the defense and uh, roll with Jordan McGee. Plus, from Delaware, from Dover High School, so it kind of helps maybe a little bit of a bias on my side. There you go. Javon, who would your first overall pick be? 
I'm treating this like a real fantasy draft. So I need either someone who's going to run for touchdowns, catch touchdowns, or I guess in leagues where you can draft individual defenders. I've never been in one. Um, You need some sacks to go with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know. Ahmad Anderson's a gadget guy. Don't trust Barbone enough. Sanders, I don't know if DeWan's going to be able to get him the ball like that. So, and then offensively, like in the running backs room, Stan doesn't seem to have much confidence in any of them. I guess I just got to take the most proven defender, Darian Varner, and trust that he'll get some sacks in this new, you know, DJ Elliott scheme. So I, I think first overall, I'd take three tech Darian Varner. I'm taking Adonica Sanders. I think, I think Duan will look, look at him a lot. I think he'll get a lot of targets. Maybe he's a eight catch, eighty four yards a game and gets you some some points there. But uh, hey, listen, the PPR league, what's that? That's eight points plus eight catches. That's sixteen points, sixteen point yeah. four points yeah. before you get a touchdown. So that's yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, if uh, he gets that much. Yeah. Um, final question here, kind of a, a two parter from the screen name B Devon four. This is a good question because uh, we didn't we talked a little bit about the, the running back position just now and a little before that, but not a ton. B. Devonforce question, first one, how do you think the running back carries are split early in the season? Let's say there are 25 running back carries in a game. What is your best guess on how they're divided between the three to four backs in the rotation? Quarterback runs don't count. I, I guess I can start out. And when it comes to, you know, the four guys that are listed on the depth chart, you know, the original depth chart, I would say my inkling is that Sadie will get the most amount of carries just because he's been here. He's been, and he's got familiarity with Temple, maybe like 10 carries. But I think the way that, you know, Jakari Norwood's been talked up recently, Stan seems to like him. Uh, talked about him last press conference. Maybe he gets, you know, maybe they split carries, honestly, like 50 50. And then you mix in Hubbard for, you know, five snaps just because he brings you a different element of power. He's more of a bigger back at six foot, you know, 205 pounds. So I think those three guys are your main guys. I have a hard time seeing Trey Blair getting a lot of carries, but I know you, know, you didn't make that transition from safety to running back. Maybe he takes that step this year, but kind of see it being that three-man rotation with Norwood and Sadie going 50-50, you know, you know carries. And then Hubbard, you know, for third down and two, third down and one, kind of short yardage situations. Yeah, yeah I think Blair only gets pass catching opportunities. I, I don't know what to think about the other three because I don't think we've really heard anything significant about Sadie. Uh we know Stan loves Norwood, but he's listed as third on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. And then with Hubbard, I don't know if Hubbard isn't performing to what we and Stan expect them to perform. Are you, to- are you thinking, not to cut you off, Javon, are you thinking because when you asked, I wanted to see if we were thinking along the same lines here, when we're, again, and this, these are the questions that you think of and you ask because it's all until they play that first game, there's so much we don't know. And we were talking about the assistant coaches and the schemes, and you asked. Had you he asked picked some, um, Hubbard's brain. Yeah, had he picked yeah. his brain to see what he saw against Alco's defenses all the time. And what did he say? And what did he say to the said, um, you? Yeah, Stan said, I need Hubbard to lock in on other things as of right now like yeah. essentially that was his yeah and i'm thinking like i'm listening to that and i'm like as a guy who's played for some some asshole coaches who love me mm-hmm. like i think i might know what stan's doing with hubbard 
I think Darvin Hubbard might actually be doing better than Stan wants us to think, but Stan wants a lot out of him, and he's never going to give him the credit. Like, I had a coach who, no matter how good I did, he had to, like, just bring me down mm-hmm. and make sure I had, like, no confidence in myself to make sure, like, yeah, you go out there and you ball out every day, but it's never going to be enough, like, because I just think you're that good. That might be what Stan is doing for Hubbard. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting comment. I, 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 it could go a couple different ways. It could be like, hey, I want I, – I mean, I think on one hand – He's probably trying to protect his player because I think in, a, in in one set of circumstances, he doesn't want to say, oh, yeah, Darvon Hubbard told me this about about their scheme. And then if it proves to be wrong, he doesn't want to throw his player under the bus. Uh, but, yeah, on the flip side of it, he could be that coach who's like, you, you're doing well, but I'm going to keep I'm going to keep keep on you so I get even more out of you or yeah. maybe he does need to see more of them. I would agree, Caden. I think it's going to be kind of like, a, a, you know, 10 carries from Sadie, 10 from from Norwood and five short yardage carries for a guy like Hubbard. We'll see again. We'll know so much more uh, next week about this team as it continues to grow and evolve. The other part of B. Devin Force question here is any idea why Trey Blair is not involved and the kick and punt return options was pretty electric in those roles, albeit in high school, Haverford High School. It's a good question. He was. He was, I mean, Trey Blair was a very good, very good high school football player. And he was very good in the return game. Um, we'll see. You know, again, all of this stuff, all of this stuff is is subject to change and will change. I, I think it's something to to keep an eye on. I don't know if Trey Blair was in the mix there and just wasn't catching the ball or didn't make much happen, but uh, I don't know. Something to something to keep an eye on. Uh, but we are going to wrap up this episode of The Scoop and appreciate all of you for listening and tuning in. Next time you hear from us, we will have a game to talk about. We'll have a body of work to talk about, albeit one football game for this Temple football team. So again, follow us Friday night for our alscoop.com coverage. Again, I'll have, uh, uh, have a story out soon on Zion Stanford's recruitment. By the time you're listening to this, hopefully that story will be done and uh, – Keep you updated on the basketball recruiting front as well. Uh, Javon, Caden, thank you for joining me. Javon will eventually get you to drink a cup of coffee. And, uh, <laughs> Don't make it seem like I've never drank a cup of coffee. You've seen me order an iced coffee in front of you before. I have. I have. I have. I'm just gonna, it's going to be a bit for a while. So, uh, But thank you all for, for listening and tuning in, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.